Hey everyone, this is going to be our first Throwback Thursday episode, and so this is where we're going to look back at some of our most popular episodes. I wanted to bring back this episode in particular right now because we need the power of positive persuasive discourse now more than ever. The negativity in politics and the media is at an all-time high, and it's up to you to be the models of positivity that our society needs. This episode will give you seven handy tips that you can use to start resolving conflicts effectively today, both at home and at work. Enjoy! Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. My name is Kwame Christian, I'm a business lawyer, and I am passionate about teaching business professionals like you how to negotiate and how to be more persuasive. Before we jump into the meat of this episode, I want to give a few shout-outs. So I'd like to give a shout-out to Stephen from Maryland and Carol from Columbus for leaving me some love in the reviews. I always love it when I read new reviews, and um, it helps me to know that I'm actually helping people, (laughs) which is good. And um, on that same note, I want to give a special shout-out to one of the listeners who reached out to me on LinkedIn named Christian from California, who said he's been using these persuasion techniques at his job, and it's helped him to become the retail associate with the highest sales year-to-date in his store's 20-year history. So... Congratulations, Christian. Keep on using this, and uh, thank you for sharing that um, that note with me. Um, I was so pumped when I read the message. I was at a meeting with Whitney, my wife, and I was shoving the phone in her face saying, Whit, Whit, look at this. <laughs> so, so thanks for sharing, and um, thank you for everybody else who connected with me on LinkedIn. Uh, your shout-outs are coming soon, so stay tuned. And for you listeners out there who haven't yet reached out to me on LinkedIn, please do. You actually get to talk to me person to person. I actually send a message to everybody who connects with me because I want to know who you are and how I can further help you through this podcast. So I really appreciate when people reach out to me on LinkedIn. So I'm going to put the link so you can click and connect with me that way. Also, if you haven't yet downloaded the Partnership Success Guide, I strongly recommend you do that. Um, If you're starting a partnership or you're in a partnership, it'll help you to make sure that your partnership has a firm foundation and it really complements this um, section coming up here on conflict resolution well because that foundation is necessary in order to understand how to resolve conflicts at a high level. So on that note, I created a four-page conflict resolution guide that you can download. All of these guides are free, by the way. I don't know if I've made that clear enough, but yes, all of these guides are free, and this conflict resolution guide will mirror the steps that I'm putting into this episode, um, will complement the steps that I'm putting into this episode, and um, you can use that if you're working on a team or you're in a partnership and you need to resolve a dispute. It's also good for anybody who finds themselves working with human beings, because if you're working with people, there's going to be conflict at some point. So just download this so you can have this at the ready when the conflicts happen. So for the partnership guide, if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash partnership, you can get that. And then for the conflict resolution guide, if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash conflict, you can get that one too. And all of these links are going to be in the full description of the episode. 
So I'm really excited about this topic here because we're jumping into part two of the partnership series. The beautiful thing about this section is that it will not only be beneficial to people who are in business partnerships, it will also be helpful to anybody who finds themselves working on a team. So for those of us who are in the corporate world and you find yourself working within an organization and you have to work on a project with other people, you're going to run into the same types of issues. So this conflict management section will be helpful for everybody. So wherever there are people, there's going to be conflict. It's an inevitable part of life. However, hopefully after listening to this episode, you'll not only feel more comfortable with conflict, you'll actually see it as an opportunity for growth. So I'm going to give you seven tips that you can use to resolve conflicts on your team. And so the first couple will seem pretty easy at first glance, but they're an integral part of setting up the conversation. And then the last five tips will be a little bit more complex, but we're going to start with the easy ones so we can generate a little bit of positive momentum as we move forward. Let's get it started. Starting with number one. This is a mindset um, tip. Don't think of it as a conflict. Think of it as, an, as a learning opportunity. One of the reasons why people feel uncomfortable in conflict is that they're conflating conflict and combat. So think of conflict as a difference of opinions and combat as an altercation with the goal of doing damage. So in combat, it's a zero-sum kind of situation where my winning necessitates your losing. But in conflict, we have a discussion and we address our different perspectives. And that's what we need to do as adults in these types of situations. So approaching this as an opportunity to learn will take pressure off of you and put pressure and, and take pressure off of your teammate. And this is because learning is non-threatening. It will also change your approach to the conversation. So instead of being combative, you're going to be in inquisitive. And coming to the table with curiosity and a genuine intent to learn more about the situation and the other person will change the tone of the conversation and lead to the free exchange of information, which is exactly what we're looking for. Tip number two, find your foundation. So here we're trying to find the common ground between you and your teammate before you start talking about what's at issue. And the beautiful thing about negotiating with a business partner or somebody that's on the same team as you is that you know that at some level there's a mutual understanding and a mutual goal. So start the conversation there. This is one of the things that you'll get when you download the partnership freebie. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash partnership, you can get that partnership guide and it'll help you work with your partner to understand each other's values and vision for the future. And so before you start addressing conflict, always take some time to find that common ground and reiterate it verbally with your partner, that common goal, before you start talking about what's at issue. Number three. So this is when it starts to get a little bit more complex. Identify the emotion. So is the negative emotion at play? Is it fear? Is it love? Is it betrayal? Is it anger? Is it confusion? Uncertainty? Etc. 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 You know, there there's an endless amount of emotions that can be in pl at play. And so you never want to go in assuming you know what the emotion is in the other person. And you never want to assume you know what the emotion is in yourself because emotions are complex. Humans are complex and it will take some time to really hash out what's at play. And this is where understanding the foundation 
will help. So going back to tip number two, finding your foundation and finding that common ground, you need to start with the why. Why are we even here in the first place? And then when you move from that why, you can. it will help you as you try to identify these emotions at play. So what happens if you don't take the time and identify which emotions are at issue here? If you don't take the time to do this, you're going to go about trying to solve problems that may not exist. And when you do this, it leads to frustrations on both sides because you're working so hard to try and find out what's wrong. And they're getting more frustrated because you're really bad at finding out what's wrong. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand the situation. You don't understand how they're feeling. And your lack of understanding comes from the fact that you're not listening, which makes them more upset. You can't truly address a difficult conversation until you can address the emotion behind it. So imagine a house that's built on a shaky foundation. And while you're walking around the house, you might see some cracks on the wall in the paint. And so instead of addressing the foundational issue, instead you plaster the wall and paint over it. Then you see cracks again next month and you do the same thing. And then next month you see even bigger cracks and you just get a bigger bucket of paint. It doesn't work it's eventually going to crumble and you need to address the core issue. These issues aren't cosmetic. There's something deep within that you need to figure out. And so a lot of times in the business world, you hear people say, it's don't worry, leave your emotions out of it. It's just business. I don't even know what that means when people say it's just business. Emotions exist in business, whether you want it or not. So why do people have businesses? Let's think about this. They have businesses so they can make money. Why do people want to make money? So they can feed their families and provide them with the life that they want. Why else do people want money? Some people just want money because it gives them a sense of validation. So considering all of that, what does it mean when we say it's just business? Oh, don't be mad. It's just your sense of validation and the well-being of your family. You can't be mad about that, right? So emotions exist. So do not underestimate the importance of emotions in negotiations. If you take the time and download the conflict resolution guide that I created for this specific episode, you're going to be able to dig a lot deeper into the emotional side and in in each of these seven tips, because simply listening to a couple seconds or a couple minutes of, of monologue on my part in in each of these tips, it's not going to be sufficient. Um, I strongly recommend that you download this guide, and if there's a conflict that you're dealing with or you're in a situation where you think there might be conflict in the future, have this handy and walk through it so you can address the conflict and handle it in the best way possible. And remember, on your own, there is only so much you can do with regard to investigation without actually talking to the person. So what I would suggest doing is taking some time, figuring out your emotions, And try to do your best guesswork when you're figuring out theirs. And then come to the table with questions. And um, in the the conflict negotiation guide, I go a little bit deeper and and systematize this process for you. But um, come up with questions and ask these questions in order to figure out which emotions are at play. Because this is a critical element that people often overlook because they feel like it's just business and emotions don't play a role which couldn't be farther from the truth. Next tip, focus on the problem behavior, not your interpretation of the behavior. So there are two things that start 
problems between people. First, there's an action that happens. And then secondly, there's each individual's interpretation of that action. So let's give a practical example. Let's say you're starting a real estate business with a partner and you're looking at a property. And then you wake up one morning and come into work and your partner informs you that they contacted the realtor and put in an offer on that property without telling you that she was going to do it. So those are the facts. That's what actually happened. So what happens next? We feel slighted. You, you say to yourself, you didn't talk to me? Why wouldn't you talk to me? Are you trying to take over? Do you not trust my judgment? This is disrespectful because we're in this together and you're here making unilateral decisions. Now that second part, those are all your perceptions, your interpretations of that action. You have come to the conclusion, you have passed judgment that this person is rude, disrespectful, and doesn't value your opinion. That's a judgment. Now we have created our own interpretation for that action. So why is it important for us to distinguish between the action and then our subsequent response and perception toward that action? It's important because they have no control over your perceptions of what happened. And who knows what the what happened, like what was going through their mind when they made that decision? We don't know. And too often we assign blame and interpretation to somebody's actions, when in reality, the intent behind those actions are often very complex. So when we go to approach our partner or our teammate, focus on the problem behavior. But when it is important to discuss your perceptions, but first start with the problem behavior, because that's what they can control. And you want them to be able to make changes based on what they can control. And so the way I would approach the conversation is by saying, this is the issue that I'm having. You spoke to the realtor and put in an offer on behalf of our joint company, and you didn't talk to me. Those are facts. And by starting with the agreed upon facts, the actual problem behavior, there's nothing to argue. We, we all agree on that. And so then you can say, as a result, that made me feel X, Y, Z. And by clearly separating those things, you create a conversation that's a lot more palatable where they can't disagree. So they can't disagree on what happened and they can't disagree with your feelings. You can feel however you want. But the problem is in when it comes to these conflicts, the reason it turns into combat is because instead of leading with the problem behavior and then our subjective emotions, we lead with our interpretation of why they engaged in the problem behavior and our subsequent judgment of that action, both of which are easy to argue with, number one. And number two, it puts them in a position where they almost have to defend themselves because instead of approaching the conversation as um, a learning opportunity, you're, com- you're passing judgment. And think about times when you're in front of a judge. If somebody is telling a judge that you did something bad, your role then is to defend yourself when somebody's passing judgment. And so simply because of the way that you approach this conversation, you've turned it into a combative type of engagement. So let's go back to our example. What does this look like in real life? You talk to the realtor without me because you have zero regard for the way I feel about this. It's like, what? I have zero regard? How can you how can you say that? And now we're having this entire, this unproductive conversation on whether or not you have regard for my feelings. 
we can't argue that, you know? Who knows what the real intent is? It's complex. Don't worry about that. Focus on the problem behavior and the emotional effect it had on you. Uh, but make sure to separate the two because then you can start the conversation from a place where it has a chance at being productive. And now let's move on to the next tip. And this is very similar to the last one. I want you to shift from blame to contribution. So in most situations, there isn't only one person to blame. There's contribution to the situation in both on both ends. So I don't want to get into blaming the victim because sometimes there is a clear right and a clear wrong. But in most instances, it's not that simple. We live in a complex world with complex interactions. So there's likely something that we could have done to prevent the situation from happening. And when you look at it this way, it takes the pressure off of you to be the prosecutor of the person's misdeeds, and it takes the pressure off them because they don't feel like they're being prosecuted. And so now the conversation takes a completely different tone because it's not prosecutorial, and you're back to working together as a team to discuss each of your contributions to the situation. Then you shift the focus to the future to discuss what can be done to make sure this doesn't happen again. Think about it. Nobody ever goes into an argument thinking that they're the problem. You know, they think that they're right. You think that you're right. So let's not even bother about who's right. One thing we can agree on is that there's an issue and you both want the issue to be solved. So let's work together and solve the problem by discussing how each of us contributed to that problem. Everybody has a story. And in your story, you're going to be the protagonist, the good person um, in the story. But in their story, they're going to be the good person. But what's interesting is that each of you plays a visiting role in each other's story where you might actually be the villain. And so I'm going to briefly go back to finding the truth. Finding the truth is incredibly difficult to do. This isn't CSI, where we can go back in time and do a forensic analysis to figure out what really happened. We don't have that opportunity. When competing stories are at play, it makes things a lot more complex. So the truth would most likely be somewhere in the middle of your story and my story. And sometimes there's simply no way to figure out what the truth is. One thing you can agree on, though, is that what happened in the past can't be changed. And so in order to diminish some of the negative emotions associated with the conversation, you need to focus on the future. And so what I want you to do is when things start to get heated, shift the tense to the future tense. So don't talk about the past tense or the present tense. Talk about the future tense. So why is this? Like I said, it can't be changed. The past can't be changed. And it's really difficult for somebody to be upset about something that hasn't happened yet. So after I realized this, I stopped arguing about things that happened in the past. So if somebody said, hey, XYZ happened and it's your fault, as long as it doesn't have a serious detrimental effect on my reputation in the community or in their eyes, I'll let them have that win. You can win the past. That's fine with me, as long as I win the future. So if somebody says there's a problem, fine. It was my fault. Sorry, it won't happen again. What can we do together to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? And now what you've done with that simple maneuver is you have made the conversation about the future and about each other's contribution. And by doing that, you work to make sure that you're creating a positive future for the team. The next tip is to seek understanding. People will almost never change unless they feel like they're understood. Why would somebody change their perspective if they don't believe that you understand the situation? So in their mind, they're thinking, 
How in the world am I going to allow myself to be convinced by what Kwame is saying when I'm not even convinced Kwame understands what's going on in my world? So how do you gain understanding? How do you prove to the other side that you understand? Not surprisingly, if you're a listener of this podcast, you do this by asking questions. What kind of questions, Kwame? Open-ended questions. Great question. Yes, open-ended questions. And then what you need to do after you get that understanding, you need to then demonstrate your understanding by repeating it back to them in their words. So you're proving to them that you understand. Then you give them the opportunity to correct you. And you repeat this process until they are convinced that you understand what they're saying. So ask a question. Repeat it back. Then confirm with them to make sure you're right. And then do this until they are convinced you understand. And what will happen is once somebody feels like they are, are have been heard, they're going to reciprocate by listening to you. That's why it's so important to not lead with conclusions, but lead with questions and let them exhaust themselves by telling, by telling you what they want you to know. And then once they are convinced you know, then they're going to be open to hearing what you have to say. So there you have it. Seven quick tips to resolving conflict on your team or within your partnership. And so I strongly recommend that you download that um, conflict resolution guide um, because it is incredibly helpful. It's about four pages long and it will help you walk through the preparation for these conversations. I strongly recommend you do that. And if you don't, if you go into a um, difficult conversation or a conflict like this, I strongly recommend you find another way to prepare because it is the worst idea to just go in there freestyling it, hoping that you can uh, pull this off because these relationships are very delicate and one wrong move can really harm the relationship, which ultimately harms the project and harms the business and everybody gets hurt. So take the time to prepare, download this worksheet. It will really help you through this process and reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let me know if you have questions or you want me to go deeper on a certain topic, let me know and I'll do that. I want, like I say, I always say it, I want to make sure I keep this relevant for you. So thanks again for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you in the next one.